Renegade Aviator, David Costa. Oh, oh, up and done. Two soldiers, five. We on the airfield and airspace. You are clear for takeoff. Have a good one. Thanks, Mo. Clear for takeoff. Check your bucket brake off. Check your trim set. Check your nozzle steering on. Maneuver. Damn it, half school phase. Left turn out. That's what I'm up. Off brakes now. The Renegade Aviator combines jet airshow performances and this radio show to promote aviation, excellence, overcoming obstacles, and achieving goals. Here he is, the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is David Costa, the Renegade Aviator, back at you again, man. And uh, before we get started in this week's show, I got two reminders for you. Number one, Renegade AV, the number 8R.com, RenegadeAviator.com. You can go there and join my crew. You can see what we're doing for air shows. And sooner or later, I'll post up our 2021 air show schedule. We got about 10 of them that we're looking to do next year, COVID or not. And the second point I want you to remember is go to worldrecordjet.com. It's real easy, worldrecordjet.com. And we are going after some pretty cool world records. We're going to go break the mold and we're going to do it with Generation Z, with the young people, because I'm a boomer and I'm looking for Zoomers, man. We're going to go break world records and I want to put the young people in charge. Imagine that. Holy cow. (laughs) Okay. Well, this week I got a great guest for you. And this week... You know, I talk to air show performers a lot. We talk to a lot of different people, but this has an air show focus, this show. But this is something a little bit different. And there's a reason for that, because I trick you most weeks. Although I say this is a show about air shows, I lied to you. This is really a show about excellence, overcoming obstacles and achieving goals disguised as an air show program. So this week, a refreshing change. The last couple of weeks, it was just me, just my renegade aviator ramblings. And I told you, when you leave me alone on the air, bad things happen. So this week, I got a guest. Today's guest is here for two reasons. Number one, he was one of the best instructors that I've ever had. And I've had a lot of instructors and boy, people that know me know I need a lot of instruction, but he was good, not just because of his knowledge, but the attitude and the ability to hold to a standard in education, to make it fun, giving back at the same time. So that's number one. But number two, his path here where he is today and how he got to where he is, is somewhat unique. But in a way, it's not very different from a lot of people because I hear a lot of should have, could have, would have, but didn't. So this gentleman today persisted instead of quitting, made decisions instead of making excuses. And I want to introduce Mr. Willie Long, a pilot instructor at Flight Safety on a Gulfstream jet, ladies and gentlemen. Willie, welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show. Well, David, thank you for having me. And, uh, and I appreciate you having me on your show. 
Right on, man. I meant what I said. So uh, I was blown away. And what people listening right now don't realize is here you are teaching grizzled old and young pilots. And you're a pilot instructor and you've got an aviation background, but you don't, you're not a pilot yet. And you're on the pathway, but here's, if you would, just for a second, give people kind of your background and how you went from point A to where you are today at one of the best training organizations in the world. Okay. Uh, Well, it started out as a a young 22-year-old, Willie, that uh, decided I want to join the Air Force and thinking that the Air Force, that everybody flew. And uh, once I joined, I quickly realized that that was about a 1% on that number on the people that flew. So I get through basic training and I think I'm going to be a boom operator and the Air Force had other ideas for me. So they had a a need for cops. So I became a cop and I sometime during my cop career field, I just decided that's not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to take one of two paths. I wanted to do special forces or I wanted to fly or mixture of both if I could. Uh, but that wasn't in the cards either. So, uh, boom operator, actually the first job on the air force list, I didn't really know what it was. And I said, sure, why not? Let's do it. Uh, so I did my flight physical. I did uh, background checks, all that good stuff. And it led me to California to where I got my first uh, duty station as a KC-10 boom operator. Sometime doing boom operating, I still, I was a, I was very, 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 let's call it stubborn for lack of better words on understanding aviation and kind of being a student of aviation. It took a few uh, in-flight emergencies to where I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to become a student of this because it, it, it may make my life a little easier. And then once I got into the instruction side of it, I just kind of fell in love because I remembered my first instructors were just, I'm not going to say not the best, but they, they didn't have a whole lot of personality. They're very flat people, very knowledgeable, but very flat I told myself that's what I would never do. So once I got my my opportunity to become an instructor, I tried to be the best. There was awards out there for it, and I, I won a few, but it was more about uh, passing on knowledge than winning the awards. The awards just came with it. And then once I was actually done with the Air Force, I thought I wanted to step away from aviation. Uh, I tried, and then I realized that once you're an aviator, uh, you really kind of only gel with certain types of people. Uh, that is, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, very true, right? So... Uh, and I'm around, I was around Paris. Flight 209er, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Huh? LA departure frequency 123.9er. Roger. Huh? Request vector. Over. What? Flight 209er, clear for vector 324. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Now I radio clearance, over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh? Roger, over. What? Huh? Who? Hey guys and gals, I just have to jump in here real quick. Part of the challenge of trying to do a show like this when you're traveling and when you're out on the road, we missed a small part of Willie's interview, but don't worry, don't worry. I got the whole rest of it. All we missed is a small section where Willie told us about a detour in his career path. He became for a short period of time a paralegal and then soon realized that, look, this isn't what I wanted to do and I wanted to follow my dreams and follow my passions and that's what he did so it required him to take some steps to get some additional education and simply keep deciding to move forward when i jump back into the interview with willie you're going to hear him talking about his advanced ground instructor ratings 
But I want to take a step back and really help you understand just the feat that he's up against because he's not training brand new pilots. He's training guys and girls like me, uh, future captains of new makes and models of aircraft. So although we're all jet captains and we come out for our initial and our recurrent training and we fly a lot of different jet airplanes, for each and every make and model of jet aircraft you fly, you need to get a new type rating. So Willie is doing all that ground instruction teaching us all the systems on these aircraft, systems that are every bit as advanced as what you find on modern airliners. So he took, as an enlisted member of the U.S. Air Force, and remember that, as an enlisted member of the U.S. Air Force, he took those skills that he learned there and turned them towards his pathway, even though he wasn't a pilot and isn't a pilot, but is heading on that pathway and is teaching and doing a great job doing what he loves. And I don't know how else to explain that. I want, I really want you to listen and get that out of this show because it struck me as important enough to say, uh, you know, buddy, I got to get you on the show. So back to my interview with Willie Long. And I hope you enjoy this because I sure enjoyed spending some time with him for the week or so we were in ground school. Here we go. There we go. So for I had to get my AGII, and for those who don't know what an AGII is, uh, it's an advanced ground instructor with the instrument endorsement. That is a, a little more difficult to get than than advertised. They, the, the the advanced ground instructor was fine. The instrument the instrument rating, if you will, uh, without flying an airplane, uh, requires a lot of studying. <laughs> I'm sure and it after, does. It, yes, it does. After the the studying for the AGII, it kind of gave me the confidence to to actually sit in front of people like you because that's really the challenge everybody that sits in front of me i know knows more about flying than i do actual flying right uh whereas i i'd like to think i'm a student of aviation so i love understanding why the engineers did what they did why did this why does the plane perform the way it does and so i just kind of take that attitude and hopefully a little enthusiasm behind it so my clients can have that same enthusiasm and same confidence once they uh, get to the airplane you know you you hit on a couple points and one of which is being of service back so educators are not there to impress people with their war stories although we all have war stories and boy are they fun to tell oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it's about giving back and it's about being of service. And I think that is the hallmark of anybody, whether they're a coach and you're a football coach as well, or whether you're an instructor. And um, take a step to the side a little bit, because when people hear most of my audience, there's a lot that are pilots, but many of them are not pilots. So a KC-10 boom operator. So the last person I have on the show that said boom was a guy that blew stuff up at air shows, uh, Rick, <laughs> Rick Meyer. So you're not blowing stuff up, but what is a I KC-10? What is a KC-10 boom operator? We're more like a force extender. So your your traditional fighter planes, little pointy nose guys, uh, they're great. They can go real fast. They can blow stuff up. They can chase people, but they can't really do it for all that long. So they need people that in in the tanker community or boom operators uh, to help facilitate that. 
So I guess the easy way to put it is we're just a flying gas station anytime, anywhere. We're, we're kind of there when you need us. So we're very uh, servant, servant in our role. And you're part of a crew too. So this is, this is the key that I think a lot of people don't understand that you are a part of the crew. So the pilots may be working the controls up front, but a lot of your experience has to do with, and it's about not quitting, right? So it's about coming yes, in. Sir. You're here. You got pilots in the front, but you're there to make sure that that flight ends safely. Explain some of that dynamic because, you know, you got a range of experience and backgrounds in an airplane like a KC-10. Absolutely. So so we have a seat up front actually in the cockpit. So we sit right behind the left seater uh, and on takeoff uh, and arrivals and in pretty much any critical phase of flight that's not actual boom operating, we're a safety observer. So I need to know that the numbers are, are correct. Uh, so I work with the flight engineer to get good, correct performance numbers. So I do the weight and balance. To, the uh, engineer would do the performance. We'll pass those numbers up to the pilots where we have another sanity check with them uh, and I make sure that all the bug speeds and things like that are corrected. I'm, I'm watching during engine starts to make sure that nothing's missed and all the required callouts are made and then once we're lined up on the runway, well, pilots are checking their, doing their cross checks with their instruments. Well, somebody has to be eyes up, right? Because we always have somebody eyes out outside the aircraft. So I'm looking around, making sure there's, well, I mean, it was California, there's wild animals everywhere. So no deers on the uh, runway <laughs> and things like that. <laughs> and then once we're off and in the air, I have my actual own radio and I'm talking with uh, some command cell of some sort and just letting them know that everything's going as planned. And then once we're up in the air and it's time to do aerial refueling, and that's where I think the KC-10 community or tanker community is very unique is to where I can't tell really the pilots how to do their job per se, and nor can they on I. So it's it's a large level of trust amongst the crew positions. So if I if if the boom operator calls, hey, man, we, do, we can't do this. Well, the crew will respect it because we do we live and die by CRM and we'll call the mission. But very likely there is a workaround and we and you largely try to find that workaround. Uh, and and it, it could be as much as something as simple as, hey, we need to just give our gas to another tanker or uh, in some extreme cases, hook a hook a fighter up to us and drag him on in because his engines aren't working too well for him. Hmm. And that's, you know, you get to see some cool stuff. I mean, if, if any of you listening have seen the pictures, you'll see a lot of cool pictures that boom operators take looking at everything from fighters to bombers to classified stuff that if uh, I asked Willie what they were, he'd have to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. (laughs) Well, you know, Willie, when when you were a kid, did you go to an air show? What was it that put the bug in you for flying? Whereas was there a certain, (laughs) you know, we all have our story, right? How did you, how did you, how did you get into this flying bug or this flying addiction, as we like to call it? So, oddly enough, when I joined the Air Force, that was my very first time getting on an airplane, and it was flying me to basic training. So, I have the, the nerves of going to basic training, and then my first actual time on an airplane, and I was scared out of my mind. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, actually, the bug came on my first deployment into Afghanistan. I'm sitting in the back of a C-17, and I... I believe we were taking fire. I actually can't confirm that, but uh, we were doing our combat arrival into Bagram. And I remember the, the, the load master looking at us and saying, y'all should probably buckle up. And he winked and turned the lights out. And then 
and man, it just got nuts. We started yanking and banking and flares were going everywhere, but he just had the most calm demeanor on his face because he knew what was going to happen next. I was like, you know what? That was, that was really cool. I bet to him that was awesome. And then seeing the looks on our faces when we think, you know, probably we're, our minds off in outer space and what's going on outside the plane. But since he knew, I was like, well, I think I want that. I think I like that life. <laughs> he seemed like he's, uh, he's enjoying life and he w- didn't have to hang out there at Bagram. He was just dropping us off and, and taking off. So that, that was it. I was like, yep, I think I want to fly. <laughs> and see, everybody has a unique pathway here. And so, so everybody goes again, I wanted to, I wanted to do this. I wanted to be, uh, you also played, played football, right? How many people have you heard? I always wanted to play ball. And then you go, well, then what did you do? Um, you know, what did you do next? Well, you made a decision first and foremost, but kind of explain that you've made a lot of decisions. Some were hard, some were easy, but what kind of guidance can you give somebody that just out of the blue comes up with this dream? So here we go, a guy going into combat in Afghanistan that just pops into your head. You know what? I want to be a pilot, but people may want to be a football player, might want to be anything, a firefighter, a doctor. What's your advice to somebody about moving forward in life? Uh, well, when you decide the, to make the decision on whatever it is that you're going to do, for me personally, I, I make the decision and then I work my way backwards to where I'm at now. So when I decided I want to fly, I'm like, well, I know I want to fly. So how do I get there? So then I worked my way backwards. I, I knew I needed a clearance. I knew I, I knew I needed a a flight physical. And then also I need, I knew I needed to like not be scared of flying. Cause that little, that'll kind of get in your way a little bit. I'm scared uh, so every day. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Right. <laughs> so working my way backwards, it actually kind of helped me figure out my way forward. If that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, and, and the same thing with when I was playing uh, college football, I knew I wanted to play and I knew where kind of I wanted to play. I just didn't really know how to get there. And that was, I was, I was younger then, so I didn't really know how to work my way backwards then, but that's kind of where I learned that process of how getting what I want. And that's just basically how I've been treating it my entire life. Uh, like for instance, now, I, I, you know, I'm working on my ratings and yeah. I was having trouble finding instructors. So, well, I bought an airplane and now I'm going to work my way backwards. I'm just going to find somebody who can fly with me in my own airplane. And that's going to be that. So it's just kind of how, I, how I've always done things. I'm sure that, you know, the red carpet was rolled out for you because everybody that I talk to and no matter what walk of life, there's are those who achieve through Mm -hmm. decades of hard work and tragedy. And there are those who expect it to be given to them. I'm sure you see kids on the football field today, right? (laughs) (laughs) What what do you mean? I'm not the quarterback. I was here for two practices, right? I mean, so, you know, um, you know, how, how do you overcome these challenges? I mean, you showed up, you wanted to be a boom operator and then they say, no, we're going to send you to get shot at. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's a pretty big challenge, right? (laughs) It is a very big challenge. You just can't get disheartened by that right because they're if, if you think about it right and you just kind of step back uh, nothing that you ever in general want to do is just going to be handed to you and not anything worth doing anyway and so there's going to be a a bump in the road and there's going to be maybe even people telling you that you can't do it for one reason or another and listen to them kind of and i and i say listen to them because they might offer some perspective you haven't thought about something that will that will get in your way but at the same time never stop uh, striving for what you want. Right on. Yeah, it really is a decision, right? I mean, it, you choose to quit as much as you choose to win. You, know, you know, normally can't control what other people are going to do or say. And sometimes the people that uh, that love you the most might go, oh, gosh, Dave, you know. 
Yeah. You know, you're you're too old or you're too short or you're too mean and nasty. <laughs> you, know? Um, you, you know, and I'm, I'm sure everybody gets that. Now, you mentioned something, and here's another thing I want to bring up, because I think when people, not everybody goes the college route. Now, you went the college route, but does a boom operator need to be a college graduate? No. And funny story about that. I actually dropped out of college twice before I actually got my degree. So, (laughs) so no, you do not have to be a college graduate. Actually, you need no college whatsoever. But I will say you probably need a pretty good foundation in math. And just that's just in general for aviation. You're going to have to understand numbers and and things like that. But outside of that, no, you just kind of have to have the want to and the willingness to study because they're going to give you every tool that you that you need to succeed. It's just whether or not you use it or not. Okay, so that's when, when people come up, right, and they, they may not have the wherewithal or they may not have the initial interest in college, and they get kind of lost along the way. And I was that guy. I mean, I don't, I don't even have a college degree. And I was told, well, you know, without a college degree, you're never going to be able to be an airline pilot. Well, I became an airline pilot. And I said, well, without a college degree, you're never going to be able to run a business. And I hired people with PhDs, so I figured it was easier to do that than to go get one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but but it, it just hits me because you see this kind of dream in kids. When I go into schools and talk to kids that are in second grade, you point your finger in their face. You say, what is your dream? What is your passion? What do you love to do? And they have an answer. You get these kids, they get into college or, or I mean, high school, and you ask them that same question and something has gone dark. They've lost something and not everybody but right. the military offers that pathway where you can still be a crazy kid right i mean you and i were both enlisted Absolutely. you know we were still <laughs> kind of nuts at that age but man what a grounding background to be able to take somebody and to say look you took your pathway you start off in the back of a jet you're working in a crew of a jet most people would be just thrilled to even take a ride on and oh, yeah right i mean that that was your life and you saw the world in the kc10 didn't you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, almost every continent I've uh, been on or over. Um, and I, I would not a- a trade that experience for the world. That is something I'll carry with me the rest of my life. And, you know, back then you figure a four or six year stint in the military is a forever. And now you look back and go, boy, 20 years, I would have been out. That was like 20 years ago, 30 years ago. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess that's where I'm going. There's always that pathway through. Um, and so now here you are standing up there. You've got, for the most part, I'll say, I'll say for the most part, so I don't have to include myself, highly skilled, highly qualified aviators sitting in a classroom. Oh, you're, you're- <laughs> <laughs> but but you're up there and you establish you didn't need to establish anything with us from from day one when you stood up there there was no need to establish anything you just kind of rocked on so so first and foremost flight safety saw that spark saw that energy you've been at flight safety how long uh two years come october Okay. And so and now you're going to become a pilot, although uh, you could probably just go fly the airplane anyway. <laughs> what is your goal from here on out? Do you want to fly corporate or fly airlines or where are you thinking? So, man, there is so many routes in aviation that I honestly, I don't want to like narrow myself, if you will. I would like to uh, get rating, get all my ratings to include my ATP and then just kind of see where the opportunity takes me next. 
Uh, if it's with flight safety, it's with flight safety. If it's uh, corporate, it's corporate. I haven't really gave too much thought to the uh, to the normal airlines. Uh, that I'm not real sure about that one, but corporate seems just great. The stories that I get out of y'all, and then uh, and, and I like how the crews are very similar to military crews, where you're kind of flying with the same guys, guys and gals, uh, and then you're going to the not beaten path, uh, unlike the airlines where you're just flying into major hubs all the time. I'm just uh, that I'm not really into, but I I do like challenges. So if I did, it would probably, if I did fly, it'd probably be the corporate route. Right on, but you took the first step. You're an aircraft owner. So the happiest day in your life was when you bought the airplane. (laughs) (laughs) And now, uh, now I understand that you're learning about the inner workings of the maintenance side of aviation. Oh man. Yes, 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 yes. I, I, it's funny when you're in the military, you just show up to an airplane, you have a crew chief there waiting on you, telling you, hey, what's right, what's wrong, you're good to go. Well, when you own your own airplane, well, you're your own crew chief, and it's up to you to determine what's right, what's wrong, whether or not you're good to go. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, but you've got that background that I think most brand new flight students don't have an appreciation for you've seen the way it should work you've seen professional aviation you've seen how the mindset works and you're probably going to come across a very different mindset in the beginning GAs. I don't don't want to put down an element of aviation on an aviation show but you probably have already noticed that there's a difference (laughs) I have I I And I think it's a different, I'm going to call it mission set for lack of better words, where in military, it's all go, go, go. What is the bare minimum we can have to get off the ground, accomplish the mission? And then on on the GA side, I mean, I've seen two extremes, some that if a screw is out of place, they're not going to go. And then some that uh, they need, no matter what's out of place, they're going to go. And, uh, and like you kind of have to find that happy medium and, and me working where I work and dealing with safety and, and always reading the reports of how things were right, how things went wrong. It just kind of makes me uh, build kind of a bigger essay picture, I, I think, from having those two different experiences. And then I'm constantly in aviation safety. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what kind of airplanes? So everybody knows what kind of airplane did you buy? I have a Piper 140. Proud Ooh. owner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The low wing wonder. <laughs> the low wing wonder. Uh, they're, they're excellent, excellent airplanes. So have um, have you soloed yet, or uh, you just bought it and you haven't soloed, or have you soloed? I, I just bought it. I took it up for a training flight, uh, and we did our first power pull, and the, the engine kind of coughed. Uh, my instructor wisely said, "Hey, we should probably come on back." and and we, we, you know, we dumped the flaps. And since my, my airfield is right over the water, we were like, well, we don't really want to go swimming. So let's, uh, let's go back. <laughs> so dumped the flaps, got her back in. And I actually took that landing, oddly enough, because I had the brakes on my side. So I kind of had to land it. So Excellent. kept it on the runway. So that was all good. That's all good. That's all outstanding. <laughs> That's a great plane to learn in. And it's a plane a lot of us started flying. And it's a lot of, you're seeing now the, the, what I call the cool picture of aviation is that local community airport. Um, mm-hmm. That's an asset. And I think people think airplanes and airports are locked away and you can't, you know, when I was a kid, I could ride my bike to an airport and hang out and annoy pilots long enough for them to let me wipe their airplane down or something. Um, <laughs> you know, so you're, you're out of the local airport with your airplane. I am. And it is very much how you just described it. Uh, so when I, before I even had my airplane, I probably met half of the population there through a couple of times of going there, moving in couches and things like that. So I had places to sit. And once my airplane actually showed up, 
everybody came out to help me to include, I was washing my airplane wrong. Uh, and they were like, whoa, 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 you don't want to do that. <laughs> You're going to cause some problems. Uh, and and if I needed air, if I needed even a little gas, uh, the local mechanic would run down the run down the street and go get me some some, uh, some low lead so I can actually get my plane off the ground because I flew it back here on fumes. Yeah. Uh, and my airport doesn't have a, a, a gas pump. So, I mean, they've been wildly helpful. Anything any and everything I could possibly want, they're, they're there for me. Well, we hear this all the time. So, I, again, I go back to this dichotomy. There's two, there's two types of people, those that choose to see everything wrong with something and those that choose to see everything right. And, yeah, there's challenges. But what I notice, so people will say, well, I want to join whatever, group, club, uh, job, and they'll say, people are closed to me. They don't accept me. And then you hear the other side of it by people who simply show up and keep showing up. And then you Mm -hmm. meet somebody and somebody will help you. I think human beings just naturally like to help people that are taking that first step. Absolutely. Um, in my experience in aviation, the mo- from the moment I decided that I want to sit up front and I want to be in the controls and I'm looking out the front window, I can't even tell you the amount of help. Um, uh, there's a Facebook page called North North Texas Aviators. That's actually how I found my plane. I was I was overwhelmed by Comptroller and Barnstormers and all that stuff. Uh, and I got on North Texas Aviators page and I simply wrote, I need a plane to train in. And I just got flooded with options. Um, and it was amazing. Uh, and and everybody had tons of details on their airplane. And if there was somebody in that group that was kind of iffy, they didn't publicly blast them right there. They would actually sidebar with me uh, on, a, on like a private chat and let me know that, hey, man, uh, this guy has a reputation for this. This guy has a reputation for that. Although that didn't really happen all that much, but it did happen, right? That you know, bad people everywhere. And so I would say like in the aviation community, uh, large part, wildly helpful because we understand, well, well, pilots, man, they're just a kind of a dying breed, man. We were on the we were on the wrong side of the, the curve for, before the coronavirus hit. Now that kind of shook out a little bit, but we were on the wrong side of the curve. We were needing more pilots than we were making, and it, this is such a interesting career field. Things that you that you would never see uh, sitting on the ground that you would see in the air. That I I think that if more people understood that, they'd probably be more pilots in the world. I agree with you. And I agree with all the support roles as well, because we tend to get pilots tend to be a personalities and we tend to Mm -hmm. get a bit arrogant sometimes and go, well, the market is great. So I can be the biggest tool on the block or the biggest head (laughs) on the block. And then all of a sudden something happens, it turns around and then we're all scrambling and making changes. I think we've all made a bunch of changes, but there's so many opportunities there. And when I was a kid, it came to a point I, I wanted to be a test pilot, wanted to be an astronaut. It didn't work out. And I went kind of backwards in school. I started to get hard headed and I didn't want to do my schoolwork. I didn't see the need anymore. But man, when you've got a vision and a passion and when somebody's telling you go, not stop, it just puts everything else together, right? It's, it's one thing to study math if you don't know yep. what you're going to do with math, but when you're sitting in a boom operator slot, right? Or you're, hey, I want to be a pilot. Um, and now it gives you that reason that you want to do that stuff. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's it not. Motivate. Yeah. It, it, is it really, does it really have to be that hard? I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't. But I'd like to speak to your, to your point on, I guess, the arrogance. I think some of it is actually necessary because you have to be supremely confident in what you're doing. 
right? Especially for single pilot, like you have to know hundred percent that what you're doing is the right move. Um, and I think where that's where some of that stuff stems from is, is, uh, you're, you're, you're so used to operating on your own or operating with a crew with maybe a younger guy that you kind of have to, a younger guy or gal that you have to kind of to groom up. And well, when, when you start talking, you got to talk like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> so there's some, some reasonable degree of, uh, of uh, confidence in what the words are coming out of your mouth. And sometimes I believe that comes off as arrogance, but you're just trying to be, to make sure everybody knows you know exactly what you're talking about. Well, it is true. You know, since I fly air shows and stuff, I say it's impossible for me to be killed in an airplane. So I don't mm-hmm. know if you call that arrogant. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> it's absolutely impossible. I was up there flying one day and the crew on the ground, this is not an air show, but they go, we didn't know we put a smoke system on your airplane. And no, it was a hydraulic leak. So that was an immediate oh mayday and return to land. <laughs> yep. Hey, worked out though. We're still here. We're still chatting. <laughs> yeah. So have, have you had the chance either through the Air Force or, or since to go to air shows? Have you been to air shows? Uh, I have. I've actually been in a, a couple. I've done the flying portion. I've done the static display portion. I'm. I if I could pick it, I'd rather do the flying portion than the than the static display. But the static display, there was uh, a. If if I made one new boom operator out of that, uh, I we win, right? Because uh, that's what we want to do. We want to keep uh, the aviator cycle rolling, right? So you have to generate your interest. And I love talking when I was in, in the Air Force, talking about all the different things that I could talk about that we could we were capable of doing uh, in the back there and, and letting those young kids know that, hey, just because you're not up front, well, you still have just as much a say of what happens next. Uh, because the Air Force uh, and our military is depending on you and solely you most sometimes uh, to make sure that that fighter gets his gas so he can support that guy on the ground. And so it's it's a huge responsibility and I and I don't ever take it lightly when I'm explaining it at air shows. Right. And you you set the bar. I noticed, you know, in how you taught your class that I uh, was grateful to be a part of and, and watch what you do. You you set a bar, but you don't set a bar with a um any kind of a negative tone to it. You have an attitude that's, why would you not want to meet the high standard? Does that make sense the way I say it? I mean, because I, yeah, you know, it's like there's a bar to meet, but you, you've got an innate ability to, to have people say, I want to meet that bar. This guy's up here and I want to get there. Well, thank you. I I would, contribute that to the my first flying squadron i was part of the gucci air refueling squadron uh, so the ninth ars uh, travis air force base and our, our kind of our claim to fame is, is we just don't mess up everything's 100 percent every time uh and if even when we were doing our testing if you scored anything below a 95 man everybody's gonna look at you crazy like hey man uh, that's not what we do we've never buried an airplane we don't plan on burying an airplane in the ground and we the reason we don't is because we know a hundred percent of what we can do a hundred percent of the time uh, and so that's the kind of attitude that I, I took to flight safety is hey man like i these planes are built to where you can make some mistakes and the plane will still help you out. But I, I want to get to the point where the plane doesn't have to help you out. You, you're operating at 100% correctly 100% of the time. You have confidence in that when I throw this switch, I know exactly what's going to happen. When I pull this lever, I know exactly what's going to happen. And, and I do it at the right times for whatever phase of flight that I'm in. So good enough is a fail. That Yeah, that is an absolute fail. In, in my book, right? Yeah, I'm Some with you. people different right but in my book good enough is is not good enough perfection strive perfection every time just be better today than you were yesterday 
Right on. So, you know, here's the other typical thing. We all get older, right? You get the pilots and, you know, I'll speak for myself. I'm, I'm getting older. I'm getting towards the back end of my career. I'm past, uh, past that hump in the middle. But we look mm-hmm. at the young people today. And since you coach football, you're seeing this new generation. And a lot of mm-hmm. times we want to just kind of thumb our nose up and say, well, they're not as good as us. We had a better mindset. We this and we that. Because, right, that's the group. We got the old grouchy right. guys saying that they didn't have it as tough as us. What are you seeing of this generation, this new generation Z coming up? Are you seeing a, a spark, a light in these kids? I am, but it's different. It's uh, It presents itself different because their upbringing is different, right? Like as we have kids and things like that, we want their upbringing to be better than ours. Uh, and I think every about every parent can speak to that. Uh, so with that being said, that kind of lends itself to spoiling your kids a bit, right? Yep. So then now you have to challenge them different. So and for me as a coach, I have to let them understand that, hey man, yes, I'm here to coach you and, and try to groom you to be young men, but at the end of the day, we're going to end up playing a game, right? And everybody wants to win that game. Now, while you're tired, while you're hurting, while you're aching, while you're trying to learn this stuff, understand that the other team is doing the exact same thing. So I have to push you harder, faster, better than the other team so we can get the win. And that's kind of the approach that I take uh, to it, to where it's, it's nothing personal. It's just I have to I'm going to have to push you. And I have very, very high expectations. My expectations for them are the same as when I'm in the classroom. I will tell them something uh, and I will teach them, of course. Uh, And then after that, I expect you to apply those principles all the time. It's not um, just while you're in the classroom. Like, for instance, while I'm teaching all the things that I tell you, I really hope that it it translates to the airplane and and same with on the field. I agree. It's it's done with the mindset that is not. I'm here to make this difficult for you. I'm here to be of service to you. And I think that's what, I think we all had that when we were kids too, right? I'm, I'm sure that that next, that generation ahead of us was going the same way. These kids need, we need to treat these kids differently. We need to challenge these, these kids. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think we end up going full circle, but it's that football coach or that parent, sometimes both, sometimes one or the other. Hopefully there's somebody there to spark that. I I, I guess here's where I'm going with this. I think because when people like yourself know that somebody's capable of it, you won't accept Mm -hmm any BS out of, you know, right? Because you know, they have it in them. It's one thing if you know, somebody can't walk, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But man, yeah, somebody, make it a little difficult. <laughs> yeah. But when somebody has the ability, they may not realize it, but I think someone like yourself can have a huge impact. And I think you know this already, right? Can have a huge impact on that kid Absolutely. that because you believe in them, even though they don't, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's it. It does. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll equate it to the classroom, for instance. So as, as guys come to me uh, and I, I get all walks, I've had as young as 22, which I was nervous when I saw the age. Right. <laughs> I'll admit that I was very nervous when I saw the age. And then I have, you, you know, your older guys who are on the like they only got one or two years left flying and they're just getting this last type and they're going to ride out their career. And that's going to be that. I have to gauge where they are and, and gauge their abilities in, rel- in relative short order and then hold them to that. If I know, hey, man, like this person is capable of 
understanding and regurgitating the information at a, at a higher level than maybe even in the initial class, like like yourself, by the way, uh, well, then that's where you're going to get held. And I can't fall backwards and let you take the easy route. <laughs> I mean, everybody, we're, we're all human, right? If something's easy, we're going to take the easy route. Uh, and then if, but if I'm there and I'm your coach or I'm your instructor or, or whatever, well, I, I just can't let you do that because then that's me letting you down. Um, because you came to me to to be taught or to be coached, whatever, and uh, whomever sent you to me or, or yourself expects me to hold you accountable. So that's that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, excellence is fun. The way I always say it, it's fun. It's fun oh, to yeah. be an excellent person. It's really a pain in the neck to be uh, mediocre, man. I mean, that's just, that's no fun at all. <laughs> Seems like more work. <laughs> it does. It does. Outstanding. Well, Willie, if you ever if you can't find an instructor, if you need somebody, or if you just want somebody to come out and fly with you, you just give me a call because I would absolutely love to be of any service that I can to you back because you were of great service to me. I want everybody to know publicly how much I appreciate all you've done because, like I said, I was astounded at the level of expertise and how much fun you made learning pretty complicated jet. For those of you that don't understand, you know, what kind of airplane we're talking about, this is a fairly complex corporate jet that's basically a mini airliner. And so Willie teaches skulls full of mush that we come in from different airplanes and we go from square one and uh, people like Willie are out there making sure that our precious cargo, our friends, family and clients are safe in the back of these airplanes. So Willie, again, thank you, man. I, I just grateful. Man, thank you, man. You were awesome. That class was awesome. That was, <laughs> that was a very unique experience. Uh, and I wish they all went that way because that was that was pretty good. <laughs> I really enjoyed myself. <laughs> and Willie, thank you for your service. Uh, thank you for uh, doing the bad yeah. stuff you had to do and uh, and for the good stuff you had to do, man. We all, we appreciate both ends. Of it. Yeah, thank you. Same to you, man. All right. <laughs> Willie, Willie Long, ladies and gentlemen, pilot instructor at Flight Safety. Willie, you have a great day. You deserve it. You as well. All right, see ya. This is Captain Kristen Beowulf from the F-35A demo team, and I'm with David Costa on the Renegade Aviator radio show. <laughs> than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. Here he is, the host of the Renegade Aviator Radio Show, David Costa. <laughs> Here we go, man. Excellence. People like my guest this week, Willie Long, and all of my guests... This, ladies and gentlemen, is what America sounds like to me. We talked about challenges and challenging everyone. We come together in a spirit of teamwork and knowing that each of us is capable of far more than we'll ever imagine. You young adults 18 to 30, maybe just entering college or maybe getting out of college, maybe just entering or leaving the military, maybe out on your own as an adult. You love aerospace, you love aviation in some form or fashion, and you want to make a difference. You want to experience, you want to be a part of something that is not political, not doom and gloom. Because that just isn't you, man. You have something to contribute. You're coming of age and you're in your peak. 
worldrecordjet.com. Check it out, worldrecordjet.com. There's something for everyone of all ages, and we're going faster, farther, higher. It's going to be fun, man. Young or old, if you resonate with this show, there's a place for you here Hey, when you go to the website, of course, consider a contribution. There's links for that. Businesses, consider the marketing power of what I can offer you. It's huge. Reach out to me. But the most important thing is people with passion that are not comfortable with anything but excellence and want to have fun in the process, man. WorldRecordJet.com. In these days of fear and pandemic, no worries. You can be anywhere in the world, days of technology and virtual stuff, you can be anywhere in the world and participate in what we're doing. I promise you that. WorldRecordJet.com, 888-366-5256. Until next time, in the air with my TS-11 Iskra and on the air with you each and every week, this is David Costa. I am the Renegade Aviator. See ya!